Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is the show where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other tech topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by our co-hosts, Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions, Shaheen Khan from Orion X, and Jesse Lanham, our millennial standout co-host. Now let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic and scintillating episode of Radio Free HPC. As always, I'm Dan Oltz and joined by Shaheen Khan down in the valley. How you doing, Shaheen? I'm doing very well, Dano. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. We've got Jesse Lanham, who is also hailing from California these days. Yes, this is where I live now, temporarily. That's right. Jesse thought she was getting away from home by going to college, but no, home just drags her back. <laughs> That's about yeah. right. So the next question in everybody's mind, where is Henry Newman? We don't know. Well, we kind of do. Henry is now... Somewhere in the continental U.S. Yes, working on his redeployment from Minnesota to Las Cruces, New Mexico. Excellent. Last we heard, Kansas City. Oh, really? Okay, so you did hear from him. Well, I think Jesse used... I did. Jesse I sent him a text did. saying like, hey, hope the move goes well. And he was just like, thanks, in KC. And I was like, okay, cool. Oh, excellent. I'm glad Good you're job. still alive. That's loquacious from Henry. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I hope he's finding a five-star restaurant to dine at. Uh, yeah, for his to get his uh, daily dose of mercury. <laughs> through the consumption he does like of sushi. many, many large fish. But we're going to have to soldier on without Henry for a little while, because when he gets there, Bunker will be complete, except for internet access. I see. So instead of between 2 and 4, it's going to be between the 20th and 30th? <laughs> yeah, that's about right. You know, sometime around this quarter, we'll be able to install your internet. So there you go. So we will be Henryless for a little while. Thoughts and prayers appreciated at this time. Yeah, he's pretty low on the Maslow Triangle right now. <laughs> I'm going to say thoughts and prayers for anybody who's riding with him on this cross-country odyssey. <laughs> That's got to be brutal. Anywho, but Anywho, we have so. important stuff to discuss. And our main topic today is Cold Quanta, which has a pal of ours, Bo Ewald, as the CEO. But they've now kind of gone out of stealth mode and are going into public mode. And they've got a really interesting take on the whole quantum computing thing. They really do. Uh, I got a briefing from them back at SC19, but they mm -hmm. were stealth, so I really couldn't say anything. And I'm glad that I can say some things now. So, so what, what is their take? What is their take? It is very interesting. And they have a beautiful story. So they're about quantum information age, and it is focused on quantum atomics. So whereas others are doing trapped ions, these guys are trapping actual atoms. And they are focusing on the so-called Bose-Einstein condensate, uh, which is part of the quantum mechanics. I'm just going to read this paragraph because the fastest sure. way to tell you what that is. So uh, trusty Wikipedia, but in this case, it's quite, quite accurate. The Bose-Einstein condensate, BEC, is a state of matter, also called the fifth state of matter, which is typically formed when a gas of bosons at low densities is cooled to temperatures very close to absolute zero. Mm -hmm. Under such conditions, a large fraction of bosons occupy the lowest quantum state, at which point microscopic quantum phenomena, particularly wave function interference, 
become apparent macroscopically. A BEC is formed by cooling a gas of extremely low density, about 100 thousandths the density of normal air, to ultra-low temperatures. Okay, so BEC is a big piece of what they do. So why do we care about Bose-Einstein condensate? Well, because of what it, just that last statement was. That because when it gets to that phase, all these quantum behaviors become exposed in a macroscopic way, so you can measure it, you can control it, you can manipulate it. Got it. Now, the story that they do that is really beautiful is that they talk about the discovery of quantum mechanics and the description of nature. Then they talk about the invention of transistors as a way of controlling electrons, mm -hmm. the invention mm -hmm. of lasers as a way of controlling photons. So now you can see the building blocks and how the combination of these, in addition to magnetics and metrology and other things, enable you to do computation and sensing and communication. Okay. Their step through history on their website is really cool. They have a very nice website, and a lot of the stuff is like right there. So their big thing, though, is their ability to cool something very locally. So they have this thing called MOT for magneto-optic trap, and it's about a foot high, and in it they can cool things through shining lasers at them from the right angles and the right, you know, it's got a rubidium atoms that are, rubidium is like one element right below potassium, so it's on the left-hand side of the periodic element, but they get it down to microkelvins. So their lingo is microkelvin, one millionth of a kelvin. Oh, wow. And they can get it down to 300 microkelvins. Now, they do it locally, so they don't have to refrigerate the whole room to get a bunch of atoms to refrigerate. Big deal. Right. Yeah. Okay, so just to like make sure I have this straight in my head, so the whole reason that they can do the local cooling is because they're using the neutral atom approach as instead of like trapped ion. Well, I think when you listen to the Honeywell story like we did in the last episode, they too are using magnetics and lasers, but they are going after trapped ions because of, I think maybe because of the applications that they started addressing first. Now, when I first talked to cold quanta, quantum sensing, because it kind of that is actually at the single atom level and any small perturbations can be measured with that sort of quantum accuracy. So it's used for like atomic clocks and quantum positioning systems and metrology and other sorts of measurements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But their website now also talks about quantum logic and the fact that they can manipulate it at such low granularity allows them to build quantum circuits and actually do simulations as well. So what would be like the biggest difference since we're talking about quantum logic, like the difference between a quantum logic gate versus like a classical logic gate? Because at the end of the day, you're trying to get entanglement at the quantum state. The ways you get that are many because nature is quantum mechanics. So this sort of an entanglement quantum state is probably happening in a number of different ways. And what we are observing in the market is a half a dozen to a dozen different approaches whether it's photonics or trapped ion or trapped atom or on and on. And it's hard to tell which one is superior to the other. Mm. The quantum volume metric that Honeywell is achieving is really quite impressive. On the other hand, they've been really after the computation side of it more than sensing. And cold quanta has been more after sensing than computation. So I think as they get more into computation, we should be able to do more apples to apples. Uh, okay, that makes sense. So... I guess the biggest question I have here is, yes, we're talking about quantum sensors versus quantum computing, and there's different applicability, but 
how in what in what cases could neutral atoms be a better option than utilizing ions? I'm just trying to get a better idea of why this is such a, an interesting take for cold quanta to do. I think it's a question of how you generate the items and what sort of material is eligible for that. If you're doing atoms, I bet that can't be done on any atom. So what I hear from cold quanta is mostly rubidium, whereas with the trapped ion, maybe there's more choices. I think the right answer is I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is this going to be used for, do you think? Well, uh, they uh, talk about a project that they did with NASA. Uh, the name of their product, the main one, is Quantum Core. And their Quantum Core is how they get to ultra-cold atoms. And last year with NASA, they've shipped one to the International Space Station. And by December of last year, they managed to create these Boson-Einstein condensate out in the orbit in International Space Station. Okay. So give me a list of specific uses for quantum sensors. Yeah. The ones that I keep hearing are the ones I've already mentioned. Atomic clocks is what everybody talks about because everybody's heard of it. And they have a feel for what that means. It's really accurate. It keeps track of things in a way that is that is good. Then also is just variations in things. So it is quantum positioning systems. Now, quantum positioning system is not for like a car driving, but at the atomic level, if you're trying to understand exactly where something is with a lot more precision than otherwise, that would give you that. So where's the application for that? Frankly, all of them end up being classified. Okay. Maybe maybe oh, maybe really? medical. What's maybe the list me- redacted? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> but 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 also maybe in the medical space. Ah, uh, okay. Well, they said something about spoof-proof GPS. Right, I saw that in the article. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's really the idea that because the moment you mess with quantum entanglement, the whole thing collapses. That you cannot eavesdrop because the very act of eavesdropping destroys it. It reminds me of that movie where it was like the car said ah. burglar protected and then this guy tried to open it and the whole car exploded. So, you know, uh, good news, your car wasn't stolen. Bad news is that it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Up. Yeah. So the same thing is true with anything quantum when it is in flight. If anybody looks at it, it's no longer there. And because you're receiving it at the other end and it doesn't arrive, you just retry. Well, that makes wow. my brain hurt. <laughs> it does. I wondered what that what that was. So really, the thing with quantum communication is that whereas in traditional communication, you copy bits from one place to another, and that's how communication takes place. Right. In quantum communication, you cannot copy because the moment you copy, it's not there anymore. So you have to swap ah. states. So basically, one qubit swaps its state with another qubit, and that's how you kind of ripple it through. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. That's a very big thing about quantum communication. No copying. No copying. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. What else should we know about this, Shaheen? Well, I think uh, in our remaining 45 minutes. (laughs) What's the the price? No pricing. Is it going to have RAID? We have raid. I on believe this? they have buttons that says uh, "request a quote." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very interesting stuff, and more than just a little bit complicated. But very good report on that, and very good uh, show and tell, Shaheen. Good job. Well, what we have today is not another reason why you, nobody should be online ever from Henry Newman, because the reason he's not online is because he is moving. 
He is traveling right he's, now. He's achieved his ideal then. He yeah. has. He's not on. He just needs to be in constant motion, never online, no attack surface. No so that's internet. For Henry. That's the best way to not be online ever. It is. It is. But what we do have is the catch of the week. What do you got, Jesse? So I have a video game that I have been playing and other people in my life have been playing, believe it or not, because NASA created it and it involves supercomputers. Oh, that's so, kind of nice. cool. Exactly. So over the years, NASA has been mapping the seafloor, detailing copious amounts of images and data on coral reefs. However, for all of this data, there is a massive issue of labeling it all. So what they have done to solve this is to create a video game for iOS and Mac users that they've called NemoNet, which stands for Neural Multimodel Observation and Training Network. And in the game, I know, real catchy. In the game, you drive around the bottom of the ocean and then you categorize different types of corals. So it's fairly calming. It's kind of like a little drawing game. But the catch from this comes from the data from the game is then fed into NASA's Pleiades supercomputer. And then from that, Pleiades learns how to classify corals from all of the labels Uh, generated by the folks playing the game. Now, what if you threw in like you saw the little mermaid down there or something? (laughs) Yeah. That lobster lobster dude, he was pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or you found shipwrecks or something. Are you going through, is it cartoony or is it live... It's it's pretty cartoony. Um, well, it's it's like the weird three D water state. It's very calming. They have nice music over it. It looks pretty. Honestly, if you're looking for some calm activity to do, I would really recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Really nice job. Very cool. It's the way to, way to do it. Applaud them on many dimensions. Yes. Yes. It is. <laughs> you have any idea how many users there are of this thing? I'm not sure. Millions, it, Nano, millions. <laughs> it's millions. still a little buggy, but, but way better than I, th- I thought it was going to be, considering that they just rolled it out. And I know that there's plans to expand it onto Android platforms soon. Okay. But, okay. yeah, I mean, that for, like, middle cool. school kids, great. Very cool. Very cool. That sounds about my speed. <laughs> Shaheen, what do you got as a catch? I got two. I got uh, hopefully one for Henry. Uh, so the first one is also quantum, and that is that uh, IBM now has a contest to kind of pump up the quantum momentum. It's notable that they put their first quantum computer on the cloud four years ago now. It's been four years ago. Wow. Wow. Okay. And they've got all sorts of stats that are pretty impressive, something like 250,000 users, et cetera, et cetera. So go see it. It's a nice article in HPC Wire talking about that contest and attend it. Okay, so the second one is a bit of a plug for a talk that I gave at the HPC AI Advisory Council. This is their Stanford edition that they usually do in spring, and they had to move it to online because of the virus. And the team did a great job putting it online. They had you know, a couple of hundred people participating in the, in the conference. So I gave a talk on the major market shifts in IT. HPC Wire has it on. The video and the slide deck are there, so go check it out as I take you through IoT, 5G, AI, HPC, blockchain, quantum computing, smart contracts. Is there and any buzzword you missed? Exactly. I was just going to say. <laughs> I was just going to say. buzzword emporium. I'm going to take a... you through big data. I'm going to take you through enterprise <laughs> resource planning. I'm going to take you through uh, client cooking. server. Cooking. You got to talk about banana bread. Cooking. 
banana you bread. Make a pizza. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we're going to do it all in 32 minutes. <laughs> nice. Hold Very on nice. to my 450 slide power deck. I did tell the audience, I said, we don't get to fasten our seatbelts anymore these days. So this will be an opportunity to practice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a high baud rate, I would imagine it does, given all the ground you covered. Or not. <laughs> or not. Yeah. So what do you Very have, good, Dan? Though. So I like big speed ups. I think everybody knows that about me. I like the You're known as the speed up guy. I am. (laughs) I am. And this one had me thinking. This is a uh, kind of an advertorial, but it really got my attention. A title is Azure GPUs with Risk Risk Fuels Technology Offer 20 Million Times Faster Valuation of Derivatives. Now, valuing a derivative is not an easy thing computationally. And is this like a Black Scholes thing? Yeah. Yeah. Think of it like that. Credit swaps, options, mm-hmm. swaptions, mm-hmm. what have you. Using a traditional model, the yeah, average time is about fifteen hundred milliseconds to do one derivative. Now two point two milliseconds. Oh, with this. Hmm. So and they're still the, doing return on investment rather than return before investment. Yeah, it's not quite to do it. It's not quite fast enough to do it in the future. <laughs> but how do they do that? How do they get that fa- that much faster? Uh, heavy use of GPUs and this risk fuel has one hell of a good algorithm underneath it. Of course, proprietary. But this has moved up moved it up from something like from from 32 valuations per second to 915 million valuations per second. And if you look at wow. the values, which is the key to accuracy, it tracks right along with the traditional model. So no loss of, of fidelity. Okay. 20 million times faster. It's got... Uh, an instance has eight NVIDIA V100 GPUs with 32 gigabyte of GPU memory per an NVLink. So this is a basically a petaflop at, F, at uh, floating point 16. But, you know, when you get that much faster, there are things that you're just not doing that you had to do before. Such as? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's not like you're you doing the same so. things faster. It's... It cannot get that yeah, much you faster. Be, by... No, no, they've broken the model. They're definitely using a completely <laughs> different model. But right. The, that's what I was thinking. But the thing is, the accuracy of it tracks point by point from from zero up to models with 300 uh, different um, variables in them. Mm. And that's mm. the thing is the accuracy is exactly the same, either you know the same inaccuracy or the same accuracy as the traditional model. And that's what shocks me. Very impressive. Very impressive. I mean, if that's... Who would like to be the sales guy going in with that pitch under his arm? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to give you a modest speed up of 20 million times. I wonder why you would... Why not not just say 20,000 times? That's not like that's not going to close the deal. Uh, true. Go big or go home, Shaheen. But you're well. Actually, what you're bringing in, Shaheen, is why not have the IBM Golden Screwdriver, <laughs> where you start selling this thing at twenty thousand times, and then every six months, if they subscribe, you come in and do a little crank and take out some wait states, 
until you eventually, <laughs> over five years, get them to 20 million times. That's you know exactly what? how it worked, by the way, Jesse, on mainframes. Okay. They had weight states in there. And they would take out weight states to give you a quote-unquote upgrade. Well, it was the model you bought. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the model you bought had a certain number of weight states, but you could upgrade. And it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, but a guy's basically taking out weight states. <laughs> okay. Kind of glad I don't have to deal with that. Beautiful. <laughs> no, and someday I'll tell you the chilling story of how uh, CA used to get uh, people to quote-unquote upgrade their agreements. It's pretty brutal stuff. CA had a reputation. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, okay, sorry. I'm going back to the article. I'm looking at it. You know what would be a great selling point along with their 20 million times faster speed up? What's that? Is an energy drink. Ooh. You, got, you have the perfect name for it already. Risk Fuel. Risk Fuel. 20 times yeah. million speed up. Not only does our product give it to you, but also Risk Fuel. I like that a lot. Now, the thing I'm thinking about, Shaheen and, and Jesse, I know you haven't been in a lot of these situations, Jesse, but Shaheen and I have been in the sales situations. So you put up your slide, your slide deck. We're 20 million times faster, and this is why, and this is how it's proven. What if they respond, eh, eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to think about it. <laughs> We're going to have to well, have some meetings. Yeah. You know, maybe we should change this into a sales and marketing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you who are so inclined, uh, that's the difference between a feature, a benefit, and a pain point. Yes. Oh, because your, your benefit may very well be 20 million times faster, but if it's not a pain point, it's not going to sell. That's a good point. On that note, let's go ahead and call this an episode of Radio Free HPC. Be sure and let us know what you think of the episode. You can tweet at us at Radio Free HPC, or you can drop us an email. And remember, we still have our email contest going, right? Well, if you're the lucky well, we have such a stretch goal. <laughs> yes, it might take us a year to get it. It could take a long time, but the the 18th email we received from you folks is going to get a fabulous prize from our prize bin. So keep that risk in mind. Fuel. Yes, it should be Energy risk drink. Fuel. <laughs> uh, I got to break it with another quick tangent before we close this out. When I was in China about four times ago for the uh, student cluster competition there, the drink that everybody was drinking was called Pokari Sweat. Oh, I've tried that. It's like salty water. <laughs> it is the sweat of a Pokari. We never figured that out, but I oh. had the kids film some, some interviews, some commercials, product okay. endorsements. Sorry, since we're, since we're talking about this, I was in, oh, where was I? Prague, I think. Anyway, did you know that Bruce Willis hasn't sponsored energy drink? And it's called Hell. Just straight up <laughs> Hell. And it's just hold, him holding the can. It just says Hell across the front. And it's just this giant Bruce Willis. That's the type That's of marketing right. we need for risk fuel. That's all you need. That's all you need to have. Well, it's like Picari sweat. Exactly. It sells itself. No need, yeah. And plus, you can say to somebody, how you doing? I got my sweat on. I got my Kapari <laughs> sweat on. 
Excellent. Okay. One, that was the final tangent. Now we're going to close this out. Drop us an email. I promise that it will not be Picari sweat that we send you, but that email address is podcast at radiofreehpc.com. Thank you again for listening. And we'll be back at you real soon with a new episode. Bye-bye. Boom. Time for a nap. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening. <laughs>